Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And we have a very, very good episode for you, but before that, we have got some news and reviews. Uh, the first piece of news is that, uh, <laughs> is that it's just Paige and I for for right yeah, now. Yeah, it's, it's not good news. We didn't specify good news. No. So, no. you were tricked. You, know. you had no idea this was going to happen and now and now you're forced to listen to the news. So, the news is essentially that um Andrea is going to be leaving the show at least for a little bit, uh but potentially for an extended period of time. It is something that uh you know, it, it, it's very difficult to touch on. I don't I don't necessarily want to talk too much about it here. But if you are interested uh, in hearing more about the reasons behind it, you can go to our social media at Colt Podcast on Instagram or at Colt Podcast Show on Twitter or our Facebook group. Um, and you can read her official statement there. It You know, it, I think that says more than enough. Yeah, I mean, we're obviously we're not happy no no one wants that to happen but at the same time we want the best for everybody and Mm -hmm. we want everyone to be in a good place in life and in general and if that's what has to happen right now then that's what has to happen right now so we wish everybody well we're gonna have some awesome guests and collabs and different stuff on the show for a while and it's it's going to be fun. It's it's going to be good times, but also we wish her well in everything that she does. Yeah. Yeah. We're we're still, you know, there's a lot of love. There's not there's not any bad blood is is essentially the point. There's no one is uh wishing anyone harm or ill will or anything. And like Paige said, we're going to have a lot of really fun guests both from Rooster Teeth, from outside Rooster Teeth, some people we've never worked with before but are excited to get to work with. Um <laughs> yeah. And some friends of the show that are going to come join us a little bit more regularly. And maybe even some familiar voices that you've heard before in the past. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And I'm actually really excited to, to, to get some people on the show. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be fun. We're going to do a lot of fun stuff to kind of just get the feel of it. And we'll work through it. It's going to be okay. Yeah. And now that, uh, you know, if you need a second as an audience member, you can just pause it real quick and like have a quick cry, like a five minute cry or whatever, and then come back. Um, but this, I do want to say this is a really fun episode that we have here. Um, gets a little bit weird towards the end, a little bit of a trigger warning towards abuse, uh, maybe abusive relationships, which is, uh, you know, every cult is more or less an abusive relationship. Um, True. True. But yeah, that it, it is still a very fun episode and uh, we really hope you enjoy it. Uh, before we get into it, um, what are the other pieces of news? Oh, we've got a Patreon. Patreon.com slash cult podcast for just $5 a month. You get access to all of our bonus content. Uh, there's a bunch of other really cool tiers as well. And uh, we're in the middle of Paige's series on Maneater. Not series okay. on Maneater. It's her fucking novel. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, chapter seven and eight this week. Yeah, yeah. It's a really fun book. Uh, we've got some other extra bonus content that's coming out soon uh, uh, pertaining to, you know, Maneater. And that's that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we are also available on Rooster Teeth. You can go to roosterteeth.com or download the app on all of your devices, or at least a bunch of your devices. 
and access our show and a bunch of other really fun content as well. Kaka. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I think uh, I think without any further ado, let's get into the show. Hello. 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 <laughs> For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And that's it. And that's the and that's it. And that's a wrap, folks. That's Cult Podcast. Thank you. Have a great rest of your night. Goodbye. Bye. Have a good week. Bye. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as you've as you've probably heard from the intro and uh potentially on our social media uh posts um it's going to be uh, just us hosting the show for a little bit um Paige and i are, are we're back on uh team og cult podcast like when we had to host it <laughs> together. I, I was thinking about this the other day i was like when was the last time armando and i hosted a show alone and i was like 150 episodes ago yeah <laughs> like, it has been solidly over two years almost three years ago yeah yeah it's uh it's a strange feeling but you know it's i think it's uh i think it's a good move i think uh it'll be nice and i think the future of cult podcast is looking uh pretty fun yeah we are gonna have a bunch of guests coming through a couple collabs with other shows that people like so it's gonna be an interesting few months and we'll figure it out yeah, we also we didn't want to get a guest for this episode because we felt like it was weird to tell somebody like, hey, go listen to uh, fucking two and a half hours or whatever of this bullshit and then come in ready to talk about more of it. Uh, we just felt like maybe it was better to close it off. Just the two of us. Mm hmm. Uh, so I'm excited to hear more about uh, Fuck Snake and Gumby and the <laughs> shenanigans they got into because that's this series. Like I know for Mondo and I this week has felt a million years long and now I have to remember that we're going to talk about Fuck Snake and Gumby. <laughs> and yeah. like, that's what it's going to be. Oh my God. Fuck Snake and Gumby. Everyone's least favorite children's cartoon. Uh, <laughs> hopefully they get it off the fucking airwaves. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we are we are covering the Day Life Army Part Three. Ba -ba um, and just before we get started, I do want to go over our sources one last final time. Uh, we have One Zero's article on the Day Life Army. We have multiple YouTube videos posted by the group. We have the Daily Dots 2016 article on the group. We have an article from one of the leaders' Medium pages. Uh, we have the group's official website via the Wayback Machine. And finally, we have several posts from Pain Matrix's Instagram and Reddit account. Apprehensive. Like normally I would <laughs> say ready, but with this group, apprehensive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is a that is a that is a very understandable place to be with them. Uh, when we left off last week, Eben Wizel Carlson 
and Kimberly Coa Malone were starting to grow a small online following for their cryptic series of posts on weird Facebook. Their rants about escaping the pain matrix by following an eccentric list of rules that they called the standards, spelled with a U. Still hate it. Still, yeah. It makes my blood fucking boil every time I have to read anything that they post. And then we got to use detergent to get all that blood out. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it, it makes everything feel so much more guttural and just disgusting. Slimy, too. <laughs> Very gross. Uh, the, these posts had attracted quite a bit of attention and even a little bit of cash flow, too. And while the couple was excited to finally receive at least a fraction of the attention they felt like they deserved, there was someone else who was a little happier about their success. Wizel's mom. <laughs> So he can finally move out of her damn basement? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because remember, the 47-year-old failed artist, author, and DJ equipment rental store owner was still living <laughs> with his mom. <laughs> oh, I bet she was excited. I bet she was happy as shit. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how she felt about, like, the cum smoothies, but I imagine she made him get his own set of dishes. Like, I don't... I, I, will, I will not be sharing with you. I am not going to come into your room and gather all these cups every time because I don't know what you're doing, and you're an adult. You can wash your own dishes. <laughs> with, uh, with the PayPal donations racking up and an added loan from Wizel's mom because he still wasn't completely independent... Uh, the duo was able to rent a luxurious high-rise apartment in Chicago with floor-to-ceiling windows and a breathtaking view of Lake Michigan. And they were also able to afford a new wardrobe. In accordance with Make White Your Base, that section of the standards... Oh, God. Yeah, it's so dumb. It's such a dumb... Dumb, dumb, dumb roll. Wizel and Koa started rocking all white designer duds. Finally, after years of work, the couple was living it up in the pleasure matrix, at least in appearance. And on the internet, that is all that matters. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. In episode one of our series, we talked a lot about some of the issues with social media. The most prevalent being a distorted sense of reality and self-worth. Because it doesn't really matter how your real life is going. Because with enough dedication, you can present whatever kind of life you want people to think that you have. All anyone sees is what you want them to see. Um, which is kind of an issue that we've seen, at least you and I, Paige, have seen very frequently in Los Angeles. Where people we know are like... I don't know, sleeping in their car and like not eating well and like taking terrible care of themselves. And then they're like, Colt Podcast is doing so well. Come catch me at the Madhouse in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> this seems so personal. Um, <laughs> I feel like I, I this is what I think of every time I would sit through someone's set at a comedy club, which I know is a very old sentence right now. <laughs> and they would bomb for like the entirety of their set and then they'd come off stage and be like Haha, try and follow that and you're just like i can <laughs> like this is not gonna be a problem what is that are you okay oh my god or the people who posted like em like rooms full of empty chairs and are just like hashtag grinding and i'm like what the floor is you stack those chairs after this show what the fuck <laughs> yeah 
yeah it's it's a problem that we see all the time but that other people also probably see too i mean it's the same thing of like i don't know forcing your dog into the like cutest position for a photo and then not spending any other time with it at all like it's you know it's it's a very it's a very relatable idea to see people uh portraying a life that they don't actually live on social media it's it's a it's a weird thing i think that's the nature of social media i mean like that's the instagram effect of like oh yeah i am only showing you a piece of my life i'm showing you what i have curated and chosen to show you and most people are not going to show the tough parts or the shitty things or the selfies where they've been wearing the same sweats for five days page like (laughs) you know that's not a thing that is going to be posted they're going to be posting the like how hot i look this cool thing i did they're going to post the one loaf of bread that looks great not the three that they burned like that's <laughs> how social media works it's it is by nature false yeah just in general yeah but we're you know what here at cult podcast we're here to say it all bread is beautiful i don't care <laughs> i don't care what you look like if you're if you're all about putting carbs inside of my body you are beautiful and i love you and thank you for being bread i don't care who you are what you baked how you <laughs> smell as long as you carb me yeah <laughs> yeah uh, so it might not surprise you to learn that a big portion of Tumple's most devoted followers were other struggling artists and content creators. That does not surprise me at all. No. Just in general, like for life. I follow, here's the thing. I follow more successful podcasters and comics mm-hmm. because I admire what they do. Mm-hmm. But then I also get a ton of requests from like other podcasts. So like. Everyone is looking at someone else wishing their life was that other person's. Oh, yeah. Like, it's a constant cycle. Yeah. And I mean, like, it's so many different every, every, every year. And this is uh, for legal purposes and unrelated and not at all um, on topic side point. But every year, thousands of people join Scientology because they think that it's going to, like, open up some kind of, like, secret avenue and show business for them. Yeah. Because of, you know, the successful artists and actors that are a part of it right now. Yeah. And a lot of these struggling artists and content creators that joined Tumple were drawn in by what Wizel and Koa had been able to accomplish through their Facebook pages because their weird little art project had built up a small audience that was actually willing to pay real money for more content when you say it like that it is actually impressive it's not nothing i mean like jumping that bridge from this being a hobby and a thing that you do on the internet to actually making it your livelihood is such a process and takes so much work and that's for something legitimate imagine if you had just made up bullshit and you had to make money off of it and i mean i don't know how we did it but i imagine (laughs) it's the same way they did yeah imagine if somebody was posting on facebook about how sobriety includes not having any pets and not using bleach and like not eating greasy food like and 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 wearing all white and all this other bullshit drinking the cum smoothie like they were able to make money off of this bullshit like it's it's crazy that's awesome i guess i mean sort of i i want to be very careful with how 
how I say that because I guess it's not really that awesome um, when you break it down. But I do think it's very funny that people paid money to uh, drink their own jizz. I mean, people have paid weird money for weird shit forever. So, like, yeah. I paid money for some weird shit. I can't throw stones. I definitely still buy PGOs as an adult, and that costs money. Like, there's all kinds of things. What are what wait, what are PGOs? They're gummy. They're little like gummy rings that taste like peaches. <gasps> oh yeah, I didn't know they had a name. Yeah, PGOs. Huh. I'm just saying, like, we've all bought weird shit. I own both copies of Insane Clown Posse's films on DVD. <laughs> we've all bought weird shit. I own books for this podcast that I can't explain to anyone. Oh, yeah. So, like, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's so many things where, like, if they, if somebody broke into my home, they'd be so confused. Like, the Nazi gold that somebody sent me. Um, right. There's uh, a signed photo of the the like the 19 I think 73 Detroit Red Wings the hockey team. Um, I don't know where I got that from. I think I stole it from my stepdad after he divorced my mom. But I have it. I and I'm willing to. I guess I didn't technically buy that, but my mom, oh my God, this is so stupid, but my mom and I stole a bunch of stuff from my stepdad and didn't tell each other about it. Like she stole these like big giant golden or brass bear statues that she uses as bookends and all these other like weird things. Like I have video games. I got this, this fucking thing. She's got some like weird random baseball cards. I have a signed baseball from like the Mets. And we once like compared all of these things and my mom just goes like, yeah, that's the price he had to pay for being a dick. (laughs) Yeah, that's how I feel about my last job where I feel like everyone who left the job that I used to have Mm -hmm. left with stuff. Everyone was just like, this is the price they paid for being shitty employers and like denying people sick time and all kinds of bullshit that they did. not paying people back pay all kinds of shit and so uh yeah i've got some real nice stuff that we all made a, made out with because we were like well this was a gift from the vendor that was supposed to be for the store but they haven't touched it in two years yoink <laughs> like see there we go so this is the lesson i want you to walk away with everyone buys weird shit and everyone steals we're steals. all <laughs> a bunch of thieving bastards that are gonna get our fucking money's worth out of the stupid jobs that we hate yeah i i don't feel bad at all because they ended up closing that store and they would have thrown anything that i that came with me would have been thrown away months later so i feel no i don't feel bad this is the cult podcast challenge go to your local walmart get a job quit steal all the pichios and then send them to us (laughs) thank you and the wrap snacks and their house brand beef jerky because it's pretty good um so remember last week when we were talking about the growing pains of the internet 2.0 basically like this last sentence that we just did people hated corporate bullshit uh but they loved really absurd weird shit and nobody was less corporate or more absurd than tumple they were a cult that was actually calling themselves a cult But what really hooked in a lot of these more dedicated members was the idea of the pain matrix. 
Now, obviously, capitalism isn't a living, breathing monster trying to suck our souls out like some kind of sexy New Orleans-based vampire. News to me. Yeah. Not sure where I got that metaphor, by the way. Patreon.com slash cult podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. New episodes coming up today. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, I mean, I guess if we did have to make capitalism a living, breathing monster, it would be Jeff Bezos, right? That I mean, he looks not well i I think part of that's just the bald but yeah yeah i don't know i've seen some good looking bald people but he looks like he's never had hair ever before like he used to just have scales and he's been undergoing laser procedures to have them take it off yes exactly that's what i've been saying for years anyway i know i know uh <laughs> see now when it's just the two of us conspiracy reigns yeah like earlier today when i texted you about the birds not being real because we refused to call a friend of ours big <laughs> yeah and we'll let the audience decide which one of our friends needed us to call <laughs> them huge for some reason which one of our and friends by name by name was like specifically i need the two of you you two people <laughs> to call me to acknowledge that i am big on your podcast or else i won't come to it anymore <laughs> that's why we're alone this week oh my god you blame you tiny fuck anyway so <laughs> However, Tumple's ideas on untangibles, as they called them, really resonated with a bunch of these artists. And in case you need a refresher, untangibles, um, firstly, it's their unglish way of saying intangibles. Intangibles. Uh, but secondly, untangibles were what Wizel and Koa called the pillars of what make you, you. See, I thought... They were that snack thing where you had like animal crackers and then frosting and then you would like dip the animal. But turns out that's just Dunkaroos. Oh, damn. I didn't know that had a name either. <laughs> Pro tip, as an adult, you could just buy frosting and Teddy Grahams. Oh. You're welcome. You're welcome. That sounds so good. I'm sorry. Now, yeah, you've activated like the stoner part of my head that's like, yeah, you could just do that. You can just go to a store and get five different types of snacks and put them together. That sounds amazing. Do it up. This is the chemistry class we all should have taken. It would have been a lot more <laughs> beneficial for everyone. Um, they believe that the untangibles are what make you, you. So every time you post on social media, you share your thoughts, photos, and just your general ideas with everyone who follows you. But you, as a person, don't actually benefit. Remember back in the mid 2010s, which is a fucking wild sentence to say, by the way, back in the 2010s, like it was so far ago and it was at least a decade ago. Shit. I was still a full grown adult at that point. Yeah. <sighs> How was high school? It was, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it was chill. It was cool. Was making out in the movie theater, going to see Despicable Me. You know, real, <laughs> real chill shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So back in the mid 2010s, the world of indie content creators wasn't what it is today. Huge Tumblr bloggers, the biggest SoundCloud rappers, and even the most popular people on Instagram and Twitter had little to no way to monetize their work. There wasn't really anything that they could do. I mean, as far as what I was able to find, Tumblr bloggers could 
do uh, ads on their blogs, but th- that doesn't really net you that much money. Yeah, especially because it, it re- I mean, it goes based on like views, but then at the time, I only know this because I like had a blog and shit at the time, you, a lot of that metric was based on who clicked on those ads. So like, there was a huge thing, and this is back before Amazon was quite the monolith it is today. It was still a monolith, but like this was kind of before Prime. And you would have to, you would have like an Amazon link on your page, and people would have to click it and then order through that Amazon link, which does still exist, by the way. But that was like one of the main ads, and you would have to like apply for it yeah. to get that as like an ad option yeah there's it's it's like um what's the term the uh the it it was like the prototype for sponsored content almost where like Mm -hmm. now that's what's crazy is now if you we don't just do ads normally like ads become part of the content and it's a really weird confusing time on the internet when you can read a whole article and be like oh fuck that was for peachios damn it i thought (laughs) i was reading about keeping kids in cages fuck yeah and it's been really weird for cult podcast to be sponsored by squarespace (laughs) (laughs) squarespace do you need a website to tell everyone about your bullshit ideas well squarespace is here to help you (laughs) our unique drag and drop interface (laughs) like i've heard so many of those ads between that casper mattress and blue apron and HelloFresh. probably do it especially for like do you need a mattress to just sit on the floor with no frame or box spring? Because capitalism is a dystopian nightmare? Casper mattress. It'll come to your house in a box and hopefully no one steals it off your porch. <laughs> yeah. And you know what I love best about Casper mattress is that after I lose my home and job, I can sleep in the box on the side of my street. Thanks, Casper mattress, for making it big enough for me. A six foot five unemployed giant. <laughs> um... But Tumple had found a way to turn a profit from their weird Facebook posts, which, again, is super fucking impressive. Their fans gave to them directly via PayPal. And even better, they were offering artists, writers, and other musicians a way to get in on the action. They would teach you their methods, strategies, and even share your content if you agreed to become a full follower. Because every cult needs members. And thus began Tumple's first recruitment phase. And again, Wizel and Koa had come up with an ingenious way to attract attention to their group. So a lot of the members that came in early on were people who found them via the Facebook groups or like the weird meme pages or like all that stuff that we talked about last week. But when they were trying to form an actual cult with actual devoted members, they realized that they needed to come up with a method for like reeling in these people. You couldn't just have them come across you. You kind of needed to make it seem like it was something that they were supposed to look into. So what they would do is they would find aspiring content creators and lure them in with their image of success and their aura of mystery. And the routine started with indirect contact. Wizel would scour the web looking for creators who were trying their hardest but couldn't seem to drum up much attention. Then he would find their page on Twitter or Instagram and begin commenting on their posts. 
and it started as praise. He would reply to posts they made sharing their art or like posting about their music, and he would give really in-depth compliments on the work that they did. And as two people who have been slash currently are small-time creators, let us tell you how fucking meaningful that shit is. It is like fucking crack cocaine, okay? If you yeah, if you listen or read or watch the entirety of something that we do and give us actual feedback on it that's like, I loved it because X, Y, or Z, I will marry you. I will leave my home. I will leave my job and my family behind and you and me will get married today. These are dangerous, dangerous words considering how many people on TikTok currently either think A, that you're dead and B, <laughs> that you're packing heat just because your pants were fitting weird. <laughs> my favorite, for those of you that don't follow me on Instagram, my favorite new trend in my TikTok comments are people who are like, damn, I thought he was going to be a legend someday. R.I.P. Armando, you will be missed. <laughs> and I'm just like, bro, I'm right here. I don't know why they think you're dead, but it's the funniest thing ever. I I can't figure it out either. Uh, Paige and I, when I when when it started, we were trying to figure out like what other fat Latino celebrities must have died. <laughs> died. Oh my god, so strange. Um, uh, R.I.P. Gabriel Iglesias. I thought he was gonna be a real one. <laughs> thought he was gonna go all the way. Do you know how many? Do you know how many people will be like, "Good job, bro. You're the next Fluffy." And I'm like, that is not a compliment, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's a very different performer and he has a very different career that's been going for decades. I just don't want to get shorts that big, Paige. I'm not a shorts guy. <laughs> you just got to find the right shorts. <laughs> the right shorts for my giant bulge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's what here's what you got to do then. Mm -hmm. Just start stuffing socks down there all the time. <laughs> and, I, and I don't mean like, like just enough to be complimentary. I mean like so many socks that people are like is that the guy from that tlc show does he have a medical condition that's where we need to get with this oh my and God. then when people are like how did he die you'd be like man his dick is so big he fucked to death <laughs> his <laughs> dick was so big he got a boner and all of the blood in his body rushed to his penis and he died his dick was too big he died from giant dick disease oh my god this is what i'm doing for april fool's day on my tiktok i'm gonna post <laughs> about this and i want i want every single cult podcast member to go fucking find my TikTok. First of all, follow me. Thank you very much. And I love you. First of all, follow me. And then second of all, comment on that video and just be like, wow. Can't believe the big dick legend can't live forever. Well, rest in peace, baby. You're fucking, <laughs> you're filling out shorts in heaven. Oh, man. Oh, my God. Oof. So, yeah, the, the first part of the plan was to comment really, really nice things on their posts. And this surprising oasis of kindness in the otherwise desolate and uncaring desert that is the internet usually earned Wizel a follow back. People were just excited to get some attention, really any attention at all. And then began the next part of luring them in, constructive criticism. After leaving a few kind words and catching his subject's attention, the tone of Wizel's comments would shift. Now his in-depth analysis would include a few critiques that might help you to do better next time. And according to former members of the group, it was often good advice. Following Wiz L's instructions sometimes improved people's reach online. 
And it, a lot of it was, you know, basic stuff like maybe add hashtags or maybe add a better title to this or, you know, utilize the thumbnail image. It was basically just basic SEO bullshit, but it was, for the most part, pretty good advice. But then things would completely change. After earning the subject's trust, he would start ripping them to shreds anytime they did something wrong. And this wasn't just like constructive criticism either. He would straight up insult them and call them a whole laundry list of names, apparently even sometimes including racial slurs for posting something corny, disingenuous, or stupid. This is like a very common tactic, both in cults and abusive relationships, where it's this idea of like, they praise you, they put you on this pedestal, and especially if this is somebody who's doing better at something that you want to be good at, yeah, you really take that praise to heart and you're like, they think I'm good, I'm on the right track, and then when that criticism comes, you're just like, well, first, if it's like constructive and it makes sense and it's a good idea, you're it buys you into it more where you're like, OK, they really know they want to help me get better. So then when the really harsh, probably unwarranted criticism comes, then you're like, oh, this is because they care about me and not because they're specifically being abusive. Yeah. Yeah. And it creates a real tough relationship. So according to current and former members of the group, most people had the same gut reaction to being insulted by somebody online. Who the fuck does this dude think he is? <laughs> That's a good reaction to have sometimes. Yeah, exactly. And this is what would prompt people to dig a little further into who Wizel actually was. And that's when they would find what appeared to be a success story. An eccentric looking man with salt and pepper hair, all white designer clothes, and a luxury high rise apartment. Plus, he had been right before. His advice seemed to work sometimes, so they got to thinking maybe he had a point. And this is what we were just talking about. It's a tactic that's known as negging. I mean, that's really exactly what he's doing. It's it's a tactic straight out of the pickup artist slash incel handbook. It's the, the idea of building a small amount of interest with somebody and then saying shitty things to them in order to make them fight for your approval. It's a very abusive and very manipulative thing to do to anyone. Yeah, it's like them artificially boosting their value within your life, if that makes sense. Yeah. Had they not inserted themselves before, had they just launched in with that criticism, you'd dismiss it. But it's honestly because they've inserted themselves previously and kind of given you this false sense of care into who you are and your work, that's what makes the knee-jerk reaction take a back seat. That's what makes people not be like, fuck off immediately. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't long before Wizel had roped in about 50 fully dedicated members. And these new followers gave their social media lives over to the cult fully. Every post, every single picture, every blog that they made oozed with tumble stink. From the confusing gibberish of unglish to the PayPal donation link at the bottom of their post. 
A few members were even asked to give up their former artistic endeavors. The group's first member, an 18-year-old kid named Matthew, was told that he should abandon his current music career and start over under a new name that they gave him, Bum. Spelled B-U-U-M. Great. Bum. Fun. Good, good. Uh, that's definitely not going to be hard to search at all. No. Uh, and it's definitely not going to insinuate that you live in a box because they stole all of your stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like Casper Mattress, the perfect box to live in after they steal your shit. <laughs> so Wizzell and Koa were ecstatic. Their new followers were helping them rake in a little extra dough, but not just through their constant spread of Tumple standards and donation links. Members were also encouraged to take Koa's special online classes. For the price of $1,000 a month, for six months, you could take her class called Fly Wheelin'. And that is spelled F-L-Y-W-H-E-E-L-U-N. I guess it's like fly wheeling, but I don't even know what fly wheeling means. I'm just picturing people having sex while tied to giant wagon wheels and <laughs> trying to negotiate that as like a position. Because she's she's an intergalactic sex snake, right? <laughs> More or less. More or less. Or people like having sex on some sort of hamster wheel or treadmill. I don't know. I'm confused. Yeah. This is not a good SEO choice because it does not communicate to me what these classes are all about and why I should drop a down payment on a car to go to them. Yeah. Yeah. I imagined it at first as like trying to jerk somebody off when they're on like the wheel from Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. Oh, like in uh, like a horizontal wheel. So I was thinking that, but vertical. So you had to like kind of chase yeah, the dick like, around okay, on, okay, you know, yeah. 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock. <laughs> so flywheeling was a class that would teach you how to visualize the future that you wanted to manifest and also how to will it into existence. Okay, so it's the secret. Yeah, almost exactly. Former students said it was a lot of making vision boards out of arts and craft supplies. Um, for a thousand dollars a month for six months six thousand dollars total you know what i got some some coupon books and magazines at my house i think i could do this for free no you can't you're not allowed to if you do it legally you have to pay them six thousand dollars page i will tell on you i will rat do it i don't give a shit i'll kick gumby in the balls <laughs> does he have balls does gumby have balls or does eben have balls same diff that's fair <laughs> I think he does, but they can turn into whatever he wants them to. Mm, so if you like visualize your balls and you're just like beach balls or like bags of gold coins or like, yeah, like bags of M&Ms, bags of sand. Yeah. Let me tell you from experience, the bigger the balls, the better your TikTok following. So <laughs> just stuffing a pool noodle down one side <laughs> of your shorts. They didn't say anything about the dick, just the balls. So <laughs> Just the balls. Wizell, by the way, described the class himself as a course in, quote, lazy visualization like Tumblr, end quote. Is that supposed to be a compliment? I don't know. I really don't. I think he's so awful at just writing anything down. It makes a lot of sense why Koa ends up being the one that writes the most for the group because he is mm -hmm. just so fucking insufferable. And if you have time, go find his Twitter account and just read through the shit that he posts. It's so dumb and none of it makes any sense. And 
I don't know. It's just so infuriating that anyone would ever think this guy had any kind of secret other than like, how do you, I don't know, keep life weird after 50 years old or whatever the fuck. How do you fool your coworkers into not thinking that you are a character made out of clay? <laughs> exactly. How do you hide Pokey's body? Those are his secrets. And what would Tumblr be without some poetic and extremely horny undertones? Yes. Or no, probably, <laughs> considering the show. It's cult podcast. It's never yes when things get sexy. It's always like, oh, no, I hope there's consenting adults. Oh, oh God, yeah. That is okay. pretty much every single... No, no, no. Well, sort of. We'll, we'll get into some of that shit a little bit later, but... Okay. Remember how I said that back in the day, Koa tried to become a sex-positive guru, calling herself a goddess of love? Yes. Well, that shit came full circle. She also taught a course on sexual energy called Pearl Diving. <laughs> Why is that so much more offensive than everything to like refer to a sex class as Pearl Diving? Oh, oh no. Oh, no. It is okay. absolutely terrible. According to a former student who is the admin of a Facebook group called Baby Names, uh, it was a poorly repackaged version of what Aleister Crowley used to get up to back in the day. It's basically like coming with intention, eating that cum, giving sacred items of facial, real cum heavy stuff, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little spirit cooking. I got you. I got you. I got you. Exactly. And their version of the horniest community college ever made them a fair amount of scratch because it cost $2,000 a month to join. Hey guys, if you're listening to this and you're like, I feel like I need some of this coming on objects energy in my life, I'm here to tell you, you got an apartment full of objects, you could just come on them. You can just come on them. For free. For free come is free if you bought something if you own it and you don't share it with anybody else you can come on it it's allowed you're able to do it yeah i mean as long as it's not like a pet or something yeah that's that's if what it's I mean. you know if it has yeah, yeah, if yeah. it has thoughts and feelings don't come on it but other than that yeah come away yeah i why do people need to also alistair crowley like if you want to get real into crowley i don't but whatever if you do all of his writings are published and you could buy that shit at a fucking Barnes and Noble or on Amazon. So spend $15 instead of two grand and just come on all your shit and don't join this group. Yeah. And honestly, they didn't even fucking read Aleister Crowley's bullshit because they're just like going off of what they found on Wikipedia. It's not, it's not anything smart or new. It's just repackaged esoteric bullshit and not even real esoteric bullshit. Just things that sound like they're ancient and mysterious. But all of this still wasn't enough to accomplish their goal. And this is the critical moment in any cult story where the leaders start buying into their own bullshit. And these two fell hard. Oh, no. Around late 2016, Wizell and Koa were doing pretty well for themselves so well that they got to thinking that maybe their crazy ideas were right you see by putting forth the image of two successful cult leaders they had convinced dozens of college kids to pay thousands of dollars to like glue pictures to poster board and drink their own cum you know they they were really 
all in all, they were kind of fucking killing it. Maybe they had just been living in the pain matrix. Since their lives had revolved around the standards, things just seemed to work out for them. And like a few friends who took shrooms together, they started making a lot of wild jumps to some far out conclusions. <laughs> and it started simple. It started with the idea that they were destined to meet. And this one's pretty general. And a lot of couples feel that way. You know, that y you get to a point where you're like, it was my destiny to meet you. I am nothing without you. And this was meant to happen. But eventually, they came to the conclusion that they were the two saviors of humanity put here to wage a 2,000-year-long war on capitalism, ending with the ushering in of a new world where all of humanity would live in the pleasure matrix. Um, that one is a little less common. I don't really hear couples saying, like, we're destined to be together and to save humanity in a 2,000-year-long war. Humble. Yeah. <laughs> it's not. Uh, this is horrifying. Um, that... I mean, I feel like whenever that jump happens, that's the part where every leader needs someone like a like a higher up in the group to be like, uh, hey, are you OK? And that never happens because by the time it gets to this point, everyone in the group is just like, I know we've been trying to tell you this whole time. <laughs> exactly. In December of that year. Koa published an article on Medium announcing the group's new destiny to Temple's most dedicated members. Now, normally, if someone told you that we were approaching a 2,000-year-long war against the literal manifestation of capitalism, you might think that they were a little crazy. But Koa had an explanation for how she knew this information. According to her, she wasn't actually Kimberly Malone, and Koa wasn't just a nickname. You see, she was actually a Pleiadian light form known as the Generalissimo Koa, serving on behalf of her alien family to carry out a, quote, pleasure offensive on Earth, end quote. Oh, God, pleasure offensive. That sounds like a war against my pussy, and I'm not <laughs> interested. I don't know why people always got to bring in the Pleiadians. It's like, hey, we've all watched the History Channel, but calm the fuck down. Like, it is... <laughs> I feel like everyone wants to attribute everything to the Pleiadians. And I'm like, they can't have done all of this stuff. And also, there's no proof they exist. Well, you say that now, but just wait. The truest members of Temple were being asked to work on behalf of an extraterrestrial government called the Galactuck Federation and the Unified Federation of Light. Um, as I bet you could guess, there are a lot of views in some interesting areas in all of those words. Also, I'm going to say that they stole this shit from Unarius and Unarius did it better. Oh, way better. Way better. This crack team of pleasure soldiers would be the epitome of Temple's standards. The Daylife Army, as they would soon call themselves, were people completely dedicated to the cause, fighters of the evils of nightlife. And this is actually why they call themselves Daylife, is because nightlife, which is what they call the lust for fame, drugs, and alcohol, are harmful to your ability to live in the pleasure matrix. And so instead of falling to the woes of the nightlife, they live for the day life but what if i like the nightlife and i like to boogie well <laughs> sorry that's, 
This is a real shitty joke. Uh, <laughs> but also, this seems like a real day man, night man situation. And that was definitely already out on Always Sunny yeah. at this point. So I feel like at this point, they're just stealing shit from other people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of this is just completely stolen shit. Where you can... They are like the shittiest version of heaven's gate is really and honestly what they feel like to me like just mm -hmm. the stupidest least original version of heaven's gate with a yeah. with a surprisingly less sad but still very fucked up sort of ending scenario the Daylife Army fought against nightlife and the way that they saw it according to their leaders anyway you were either fighting with them against the pain matrix or you were a part of the pain matrix working to help it keep alive basically like if you worked a job and you did drugs or you did anything that basically koa said was wrong then you were part of the enemy unsurprisingly they saw a steep drop off in membership yeah, yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, mm -hmm. around the time they told people that they needed to fully dedicate themselves to the cause, about 38 of their 50 dedicated followers decided that they were just kind of done with this weird phase in their life and that they were just going to go back to posting shitty memes on Facebook or whatever. But 12 of these dedicated followers were willing to give up their entire lives to fight the pain matrix. And this dozen, composed of college kids and young artists, gave up their property, assets, and life entirely so that they could join Wiz L and Koa on this pleasure offensive. In early 2017, they stopped being a loose outfit of internet friends and decided to join their leaders in person. After liquidating all of their assets, they made their way to a cabin in rural Washington. This remote home would be the headquarters of the Daylife Army. And also, it belonged to Wizelle's mom. <laughs> mom, can I use the vacation house for my coal? <sighs> okay, honey, fine, but just clean up before you leave. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. And don't come on my good dishes. <laughs> He's just standing there like, you don't tell me what to come on. I come on wherever I want to come on. <laughs> yeah, he's... I feel so bad for her. She's, like, definitely retired, and she still has to financially support her 50-year-old son. Because, remember, at this point in time, he is 50 years old. I also... I'm like, where's all of the donations and stuff going? Like... Why is he still relying on her? Is he just a douchebag? Or are they lying about how much money they get? It's, well, yeah, we'll get into that. Column A, column B. Column A, huh? column yeah. B. Now, generally on cult podcast, when we hear terminology like army, soldiers, or an offensive on the world, it's cause for alarm. Uh, because we have covered terrorists, gangs, and all types of other groups who have caused massive amounts of damage. But that isn't the case here. When the group's 12 recruits found their way to Wizel's mom's cabin, they were ready to fulfill their duties and follow the Galactic Federation's orders. But according to Koa, the best way to fight the pain matrix was to follow the standards and to make more content. 
And how was she able to know what the Federation wanted? Because she had a small pendant necklace that allowed her to speak with their large spaceship that was apparently floating just above our atmosphere, far enough away for us to not be able to see it with a telescope. I mean, they know we got satellites, right? Yeah, but I mean, you can't see the satellites. And do you think that the the pain matrix would allow the United States government, the bastion of all that is capitalism, allow us to know that the Galactic Federation is standing right outside of our planet? Yeah, uh, but also are, are like, this is some flat earth shit where this, this is as dumb as the dome. Oh, yeah. Praise Jesus for the dome. <laughs> but like... I get, I mean, this is on the level of birds not being real. In that it's very true and very believable? Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Uh, where where are the pictures? Where are the pictures? How come you never see a baby pigeon? Because they're not real. They're made in a factory. <laughs> uh, but all I'm saying is this is something that's very provably false. Oh, yeah. Provably Absolutely. false. Absolutely. So the average day for a day-life soldier started with cleaning. As we learned last week, the group put a huge emphasis on being clean, both spiritually and otherwise. So they would spend hours every day cleaning the cabin, trying to make it as spotless as possible. And then came practicing pearl diving and fly wheeling. Members of the group were asked to practice the weird arts and crafts and masturbation ceremonies together to strengthen their chance of achieving their 2,000 year long goal. And finally, they would create content, whether it was live streaming on Periscope or sending hundreds of cryptic tweets. Each member of Daylife was required to hit a quota of creation. And this was perhaps the most important part of the army's day since it was their main form of making money now. Because with no other jobs, lives or financial income, this was it. And this is a problem that we kind of briefly touched on last week. If you focus on living in the vacation portion of your life before you do any sort of work, then it makes it pretty fucking hard to live a sustainably happy life for very long, especially for the Daylife Army. Wizel and Koa may have hated capitalism, but they sure were materialistic as hell. Not only did they provide their followers with the hottest and whitest designer clothes, but they also promised to get them out of this tiny cabin and move into a place like their Chicago high-rise apartment. But since their main source of income, the thousands of dollars that these dedicated members used to pay for online classes, was gone, things weren't exactly going as planned. In fact, the group was even struggling to afford enough food to feed everyone. Jeez. To the leaders, this was an obvious sign that the group just wasn't visualizing hard enough. Oh, God. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I mean, sure, sure. They were cutting out pictures of properties and coming in jars just as much as the next group, but maybe that wasn't enough anymore. Wizel and Koa decided that if they were going to take things to the next level... They needed to step up their visualization game. We need bigger poster boards <laughs> and more magazines. Get all the glue sticks. 
double up. Start using your own cum as glue. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> that would, I mean, that would probably work. At least there's a use for all that cum now. <laughs> would that make a vision board more powerful if you were sticking things to it with cum? I can't imagine that it would hurt. I feel like, well, actually, right? I could imagine that it would hurt. It'd probably give you several yeah, paper, paper cuts. cuts. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, according to Koa and her magic walkie-talkie necklace... The next step in the group's mission was to leave Wizel's mom's cabin and start visiting potential new headquarters all across the country. And she had compiled quite the list of options for a new home base. There were beachfront properties, high-rise luxury apartments, and even a few more modern cabins. But the property that the duo really had their hearts set on was Alice Coltrane's former home and spiritual guidance center in California. Alice Coltrane was John Coltrane's Toyota Sequoia. Uh, wife, and she was a very popular jazz musician um, who later in her life basically went off the, I don't want to say went off the deep end because that makes it seem like she went crazy, but she started believing a lot of sort of wacky spiritual things and just kind of made her home like an epicenter for weird theosophy and we should definitely kind of cover her her beliefs and what she did in a at least a speculation zone because it's super interesting but all you really need to know is that now or at least back in 2017 her property was up for sale and Wizel and Koa were trying to buy it. Hmm, interesting. So Wizel, Koa, and a few of the group's most loyal soldiers piled into the Daylife Army's official vehicle, a Toyota Corolla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no shade in the game, but that's hilarious. Yeah, it is the official car of my mom still sends me money every month, but, you know, whatever. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. They mm-hmm. got into the Corolla and started a cross-country trip to look at properties. Unfortunately, the Corolla wasn't big enough for all 12 members. So this meant that everyone else had to make their own way across the country. And with no cars, no money, and no time to get a job with all of the posting that they had to do... Most of them were effectively homeless, but Wizel and Koa had a few ideas for how their team could drum up some business. Spoiler alert, all of them are terrible, and they will make you feel very bad. So... Oh no. Yeah. First, the members would be forced to ask their parents for money, and when that well dried up, they would be forced to reach out to extended family, friends, and even former co-workers. Imagine getting a text message or a Facebook message from somebody that you used to work with and he's like, hey man, listen, I got to come in a jar in Alice Coltrane's house and you need to send me $50 on PayPal right fucking now. I have had similar messages like that. Not for that exact reason. I mean, if somebody was really like really laid it out and was like, look, I got to come in a jar in this specific location, I'd be like. I'm curious enough to find out. Uh, but no, I've had former coworkers ask for money, which is always really awkward. Yeah, could imagine. Um, and by the way, you don't have to respond, but if you could PayPal me that money, that would be great. Thank you, Paige. Um, hey, Blaine, your muscles are big. Do you want to come back on the podcast? <laughs> I'm looking for a new co-host. After everyone's loved ones and acquaintances were tapped out, the group shifted to a much darker way of making money. They had some of their members 
I this was my guess when you said that they were gonna have to do horrible things for money I was like I bet I bet it is forced sex work which by the way again sex work in and of itself when it's consensual different story this is forced sex work that we're talking about never good never a good thing when people are forced to do sex yeah and now there's there is there is some mystery that surrounds this section of the story some former members claim that they were never directly asked to become sex workers, that it was merely implied that they should do it, while others claim that Koa actually used terms like pimp to describe herself to these followers. But what's interesting um, is that both of these separate uh, stories still give off the vibe that they were sort of coerced into doing it you know like that's not good no no one had a story like yeah i did sex work but it was just you know my own choice it was a thing that i chose to do no everyone kind of came at it from this angle but possibly worst of all was what they did when they realized that male gigolos don't really have that big of a market there are very few women who want to pay to have sex with a straight dude but there are quite a few men who would love the opportunity so Wizel and Koa forced at least one of their straight male followers to have gay sex for pay in order to make money for the group. And after months and several thousand dollars later, the leaders showed their soldiers what they had all been working towards. The group expected a home, or at, at least a place where they could stay, and they were certainly expecting somewhere as nice as Alice Coltrane's mansion, which is a property they had been eyeing for some time. But sadly, that wasn't what they got. Wizel and Koa used their members' money to buy an all-white... No! Oh my, I mean, first of all, to go back to it, if people want to choose to participate in gay for pay sex work, that's their business. It's the forcing that's the problem, just to be clear. But also, secondly, to net a car, just a car that's still not going to hold everybody. That's ridiculous. That's insane. Yeah, it's oh it's gosh. really, really terrible. I'm trying not to go super deep into the uh, into the stuff about the, you know, the gay for pay sex work that they forced one of the members to do but if you if you do want to read more about that part of the story i highly recommend one zero's medium article on uh the daylife army in fact if you look up the daylife army it's generally the first source that you will find on google um and it goes into a lot further detail about how you know they coerced this guy to try having sex with men and he was like it was something i might have been interested in but to be forced into it was something that i didn't feel comfortable with and they just kept making me do it and every time i told them i wasn't interested in it they would tell me that like i was the one that was wrong for not being open with my sexuality it's just kind of a, a thing that kept happening and happening and happening with this guy until you know he was basically shown this all white Toyota Sequoia and they were like, this is what you were working towards. And he was like, Oh, great. Wonderful. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I put myself in a position of essentially being assaulted multiple times, or at least coerced into sexual experiences. You didn't consent to for 
a moderately priced car. Yeah. Like, it's not even a fancy car. Oh, no. It's just a Toyota. How many cup holders did you say it had? Oh, God, fuck. (laughs) Was it at least new? Actually, it it probably was new now that I think about it, because they had all that stuff about no secondhand. Because they had that not buying secondhand things. Yeah, yeah. I bet it was. uh, You know what? That makes sense. Maybe it was new. Now the rest of the group could pile into these two cars And they could all travel around the country together. And for a lot of members of of Daylife Army, this was a breaking point. Over the next few weeks, most of Daylife's soldiers realized how manipulative and shitty their leaders were. A majority of them quit and have now dedicated their lives to bringing awareness to the group to prevent others from making the same mistakes. Wizel and Koa had been up front, at least somewhat. They called their group a cult. They called themselves cult leaders, but everyone thought it was some form of elaborate joke. It turns out that they were just being honest. Shitty, terrible, and abusive, but honest too. And that's kind of the end of our story on the Daylife Army. I mean, I wish I had a better thing where like, oh, and then they got raided by the police for doing this stupid shit. But no, they just kind of travel the country um, apparently they stay in hotel rooms and members are expected to make enough money through whatever means necessary to get themselves a hotel room for the night. And if they don't make enough money, then they're forced to sleep out on the streets. Or in the Toyota Sequoia. Or in the Toyota Oof. Sequoia with its many, many cup holders. Um, yes. Yeah. It's, it's just a, it's a really dark, it's a really terrible story. Um, there's also like I I I know it's weird to think about like who would join a group that actively calls themselves a cult and presents themselves as sort of like a terrible awful group and I I when I was reading this stuff it made me remember when I was god 18 when I was 18 years old and I just graduated high school I was doing stand up for the first time very seriously you know I was going to Mike's. Oh, you mean like two years before you joined Cult Podcast? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was uh I was doing stand up. I was trying to do it regularly. I was I was having a good time. Um and then I was at a an open mic and this guy named Adrian, he came over to me and he gave me a card and he was like, if you ever want to go on the road, you know, here's my number. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. This is how I make it uh like this is what happens fuck everybody else fuck all y'all i'm going on the road i'm going to be a famous comedian um and then you know i called him and he took me to a restaurant and he sat me down and he bought me a burger uh, and he basically explained like his idea to take a bunch of comedians out on the road on a tour that he was opening himself and the idea was basically that like no one books new comedians to do tours but if we all stuck together, then we could develop our own opportunities. Uh, but at the time, all I heard was that I didn't have to pay for this fucking burger. Uh, so I was cool with it. You know, I was cool with whatever he said because <laughs> I got a free burger out of this. Because situation. cults get people by meeting tangible needs. Yes, yes. exactly. That was a definitely uh, uh, not an untangible because I held it in my hands. I ate it with my mouth and I pooped it from my butt later. So, you know, yep. it was a pretty good deal. Um, but he he convinced four of us, and we were all these really young dudes, or 
with the exception of one person who uh, was an older person who, who, who didn't think that comedy was ever going to work out for them. I guess he had been doing it for years. Uh, he convinced all of us to like sell all of our property. Like I, I sold everything that I owned. I quit my job. Like I, I got all of these paychecks and we put them together for a budget for the tour. Uh, and the last thing he wanted me to do is he wanted me to sell my car and take that money and and give it to him. And back in the day, my car was not as run down and shitty as it is now. So it would have gone for, you know, at least a couple thousand dollars. Um, and I think it was three nights before the tour was supposed to leave. I started having these weird, like, second thoughts. And then I just, like, dipped out. And I just took my car and I drove to San Diego and I stayed with my mom. And I was like, holy shit. I feel like I just fucked my career up. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, and then I heard about these guys that went on the road and just like what I thought it was, it was a really bad idea. Like these dudes put all of the money and all of the resources that they had and everything that they had in their lives into doing this tour. And it just kind of broke down. And there was all of these terrible things that they did. I know that uh, for a while, they were selling, uh, you could pay $10, and if you did, they would put a strip of wax on one of their backs and rip the hair off, and that's, like, one of the things that they were doing for money, is they would just wax Jeez. one guy's back. Um, there was all these other things that they did trying to, like, drum up business, um, and it, yeah, they just ran out of money slowly, but they didn't want to return to the comedy scene looking like failures. So they just stayed out in Arizona living in this RV for months. And they like took, they had the very small budget that they parceled out to like do stuff. And one of the favorite stories, which is something I learned later is, um, they didn't have any money, so they would all eat top ramen and that was all that they would eat every single day for basically every single meal they would eat top ramen uh and then they realized that in the dead of night one of the guys the guy who's getting his back shaved he would leave the rv and he would take a taxi and he would go somewhere and they followed him one night and they realized that what he was doing was he was going somewhere to have his mother wire him money and then he would go to a 24-hour buffet, all-you-could-eat buffet, and he would eat all he could eat for about two hours, and then he would take a taxi back to the RV, sneak back into the RV, and pretend like he had been asleep through the whole night. Been there. Uh, I mean, like, not. <laughs> but, but like, that, I, I do remember one time I went on, like, a road trip with friends, and... I had moved away from home. I was like already in college and a lot of them still kind of lived with their parents and mm -hmm. it was like their first time kind of doing like a thing alone. And I remember that they had like packed sandwiches and shit that had sat in the hot car oh the whole time we were driving. And I was like, I have money. Like why, <laughs> like why are we doing this? And so I snuck off with one of the other girls and we got like burgers and stuff because we were just like, fuck this trip <laughs> like fuck these car sandwiches fuck any i have money we're at an amusement park there's food here i'm gonna fucking eat it if no one else wants to i don't give a shit and we fully snuck off yeah burgers, yeah so. been there mm -hmm. yeah it's but that's kind of my point is like and and i don't know if i've told this story on here before i don't think i have but um 
there are reasons why people will join situations that are very clearly bad for you uh, because you think that it might present some form of opportunity in a career that you really want to do. I mean, ask any comedian. All of us have done really terrible shit. And I mean that in the sense of like, I slept in a car. Most of it, like Andrea used to stay up for, she, there was one day or two days every week where she would get like two hours of sleep. And anyone who knows Andrea basically knows that if she doesn't have sleep, she's like a zombie. She like dies inside yeah. a little bit. And she would do that yeah. every week for months. Like Paige, the same thing. Like it's the the countless hours that you work, the destroying of your body, going on the road, doing all these things, taking these flights, driving to a place, getting an hour of sleep maybe, and then having to like check into your day job after all of that and shit. Like it it destroys you. And it's anything that presents itself as a possible opportunity away from that to do the thing that you really want to do it makes sense why so many of these people join these groups but yeah that is the end of our series on the Daylife army oof i mean gumby turned out to be a real pile of shit <laughs> it's anyone surprised gumby looks like a fucking pile of shit not pokey no so this episode uh, is brought to you by uh, Sneak Away Buffet. Hey, are you on a shitty road trip? <laughs> are you on a tour that isn't working out and you need to sneak away in the dead of night to eat burgers and your friends can't know about it? Uh, sneak Away Buffet. The only buffet that's open 24 hours a day. Um, no, in, in actuality, this episode is brought to you by our wonderful, amazing Patreon donors. Uh, this episode is brought to you in part by Monkey Geem. Ooh, is that a monkey that like wears the skin of other monkeys? <laughs> I think it might be. They said, new cult member here. I'm Monkey Geem. Join Sherry Shriner's patron for just $1 and then like five exclamation points. Oh, yeah. Sherry Shiner. Sherry Shiner. Sherry Shriner's Patreon is wild. It's because we covered Sherry Schreiner mm -hmm. on an episode, like but her Patreon shining. is still active. And there are wild videos every week. This is apparently an advertisement for that. That's not great, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Monkey Geen, and your... Uh, please don't send us anything, Monkey Geen. Please don't send us <laughs> any of the things you want to, because it's either going to be, like, terrifying monkey masks, or it's going to be your own shit. Like either, or, like, a nipple belt. Yeah. It's either Ed Geen shit, or it's just regular monkey shit, and if it's not a banana, I don't want it. Don't send it here. Don't, don't do it. Please and thank <laughs> you. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast uh, to access our bonus content and for a bunch of other really cool rewards as well. Um... Also, if you're looking for a new place to listen to cult podcasts, might we suggest Rooster Teeth? Ka -ka! Doodle doo. Uh, go to the website roosterteeth.com or download the official app. You can also get it on your Xbox, your Fire Stick, your Roku television, and a bunch of other really fun places as well. There's some really, really great content there like Black Box Down, uh, Red Web. Uh, you can find uh, Good Morning from Hell with two very, well, I don't know. Chris Damaris is kind of big, actually, now that I think about it. But other than that... He's been pushing plate, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than that, the hosts are real small and tiny. <laughs> um, 
And if you want more, if you want more content from me, you could even find me on the on the Rooster Teeth app this week on Tuesday. I'm going to be doing the Funhouse podcast uh, live on Rooster Teeth, I believe. And then they'll also be posting it on pretty much everywhere that you can find podcasts as well. Oh, speaking of other really really fun podcasts that you should check out. Uh, can we suggest Awful Neutral, which is a, a very, very fun show that Paige and I were guests on, and the first episode dropped, I believe, yesterday, as as of this recording coming out? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, either yesterday or this morning, which, if you're listening to this, the day it comes out is yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I know it's confusing, but I just want everyone to know we are not recording this on Monday, so it just gets weird, because right. we're like, today is <laughs> right, Monday, right, right, but right. today's not Monday, oh, fuck. <laughs> Uh, this was Paige Wesley's first D&D campaign ever. Not just recorded, <laughs> but ever. Just ever. And she fucking killed it. <laughs> uh, I don't know that I killed it. I feel like I picked it up a lot better in part two, which has not been released yet, where I think I finally realized how to use spells and shit. <laughs> but like for the first game, I was just an agent, like the first half of it. I was just an agent of chaos, basically. I mean, that is a lot of what D and D is. I realize you've never played any. You've never played any, so you don't have anything to compare it to. But I'm also in another game with a bunch of other comedians, and that's basically what we do. Um, every we play with a friend of the show, Julian Fernandez. And every week they go, okay, I have a plan and you guys aren't going to fuck it up now. And then we take like two steps and they're like, oh my God, how? How do you consistently fuck everything up all the time? Actually, no, because it's Julian. It's more like, how? How How do you consistently (laughs) fuck things up all the time? Oh, Julian. They're amazing. They're so amazing. Um, Yeah, but awful neutral. Great show, great group of people. We had an amazing time. Uh, go to our social media on Instagram and Twitter, and, and we'll have links to that show there. Um, but yeah, it was such a blast. I had such a great time. Uh, and there will be a part two to that episode. So yeah, go get it started. Go check it out now. Um, I think uh, I think for this one, if you if you want to send me a, a Toyota Sequoia. Um, and not make me do anything bad for it, then please do. You can send it to me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok uh, at Mondo Does Stuff, M A N D O Does Stuff. And go follow me on TikTok so that when I post that in memorial video, you can be like, man, I loved Armando. He was the greatest. RIP to the goat. If, <laughs> if you want to send me your theories on how and why Armando is actually dead, <laughs> uh, you could send those to me at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram and everything else. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can do so by going to at Colt Podcast. Or on Twitter at Colt Podcast Show. You can also send us an email to Colt Podcast Show at gmail.com. Or if you want to send us tiny Gumby and Pokey figures so that <sighs> they will sit on our desks and haunt our dreams, yeah. you could send those to... 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237, Los Angeles, California, 90065. And I think for this one, I'm going to say, don't drink anything out of a jar at that guy's house. (laughs) Or his mom's house. Or his mom's house. Oh, my God. And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye.